Bandwidth for Changelog is provided by Fastly. Learn more at Fastly.com, and we're hosted on Linode servers. Head to linode.com changelog. This episode of JS Party is brought to you by Hired. Hired matches outstanding people with the world's most innovative companies. At Hired, your dream job is waiting to apply to you. Instead of endlessly applying to companies hoping for the best, Hired puts you in control of when and how you connect with interesting opportunities. The best part is Hired is completely free to you. It won't cost you anything. In fact, they pay you to get hired. Head to Hired.com slash GSParty. Don't Google it. This URL is the only way to double the hiring bonus to $600. Once again, Hired.com slash GSParty. And now onto the show. Welcome to JS Party, a weekly celebration of JavaScript and the web. Tune in live on Fridays at 3 p.m. U.S. Eastern at changelaw.com slash live. Join the community and Slack with us in real time. Head to changelaw.com slash community. Follow us on Twitter. We're at JS Party FM. And now on to the show. All right. Welcome to JS Party, uh, where it's occasionally a party with JavaScript. Uh, I refuse to say weekly since it's, uh, it's been a few weeks. But uh, nonetheless, we're here, uh, ready to party. This week, uh, we have a special guest uh, filling in for Michael. That's uh, Miles Borens. Uh, introduce yourself, Miles. Hi, I'm Miles. Um, I'm a developer yeah, advocate. Yeah, that's enough. Uh, Rachel uh, <laughs> is also here with us, and this is Alex. Uh, Miles, uh, you you work on uh, Google Cloud and Node and, and a bunch of stuff. Actually, introduce yourself now. Um, I'm Miles. I'm going to take long pauses to make sure that I don't get stopped. Um, I work on Node. I'm on the CTC and TSC. Um, what are those? That is the core technical committee and the technical steering committee. Um, I have a slide deck that you can look at if you're interested mm. in learning more about how the governance model in Node works. Um, but it means I'm involved in some of the higher level technical decisions and um, architecture of the project itself. Um, and I also work at Google on Google Cloud Platform where I'm a developer advocate um, a good chunk of my work is devoted to the Node ecosystem working on that stuff. I travel around, I talk, uh, and I also work internally with various product teams and engineers uh, to make sure that the products we're making for Node developers are products Node developers want to use. In a past life, I was an artist and a musician, and I'm hoping to find time to do that again in the future. Yay! Well, that- <laughs> Uh, yeah, that uh, segues well into what we wanted to talk about today, uh, which is... Uh, some some music. Uh, so I think between the three of us, uh, we either have dabbled in web audio or are musicians. Or Rachel, what's your what's your music story? What's your music history? You definitely have like uh, at least a lot of cred in old indie indie bands. Um. Yeah. So I started out as a like web person because I did a website for an online music magazine for teens. So my first concert was Warp Tour in like 2001 to go and interview bands like Good Charlotte and No Effects. (laughs) Not No Effects. I've never interviewed No Effects, but (laughs) I definitely uh, I have not interviewed any ska bands, actually. Oh, I've wow. only interviewed, which Goldfinger's questionably ska, I guess, but I've interviewed a lot of pop punk <laughs> bands. Um, and like I interviewed Newfound Glory and, you know, 
um, <laughs> 311. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 311 was my favorite band for a long time. The drummer's name is Chad Sexton. Uh, unrelated, but I'm also a drummer. So. Oh! <laughs> whoa, whoa. <laughs> it's a. Uh, it's not that big of a deal. He's he's good. Hold on, sorry, my my cat. <laughs> uh, I'll translate. Her cat. Her cat. <laughs> I think I understand. <laughs> Rachel, you want to mute, and we can keep going. I'm alright. Sorry, my cat was on my lap and he jumped off and he his foot got caught on my headphone. And oh. yeah, we're we're okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, speaking of no effects, uh, there used to be no way to do uh, like music uh, sound effects on on the internet. Um, but uh, Sorry about this segue in advance or in retrospect, but uh, Miles, you've done some uh, audio API stuff. Is that is that uh, why you were interested in talking about it, or you just want to talk about music? Um, yeah, I, my first larger web app that I ever wrote was actually an accessible keyboard, and I've been hacking around with the web audio API for I guess going on five years now. That's how long it's been since I start, first started hacking on it, though. Not like a measure of the total amount of time that I've devoted to it. Sure. A solid, unrelapsed five years of, of pure time. Uh, so, so is that your only project? So, so you have a keyboard. It, uh, like I assume like on your keyboard, you pretend like you're playing a piano and then it makes the sounds in the browser? Exactly. Um, the thing that was neat about it was that it was built with this JavaScript framework that was all accessibility first. So the, the website actually had no instructions on how to use it unless you were using a screen reader. <laughs> and if you were using a screen reader, it had a full in-depth uh, tutorial on how to use it. Um, it also had an exposed API. So you could change um, what um, A4 was, like so what that the frequency of A4 was. In case and you're you could a 432-er. Yeah, and it also allowed you to change... Um, how many steps you wanted to break the octave into, and then would distribute keys appropriately. You could set up patterns and start arpeggiating, and then like start playing the musical canon instead of the notes, which was a fun little hack. Yeah, that's great. That's uh, that's pretty cool. I would, I'd be actually really interested in seeing that. Do you, does it still exists online? Yeah, it's on GitHub. I have no idea if it still works, but it's called the <laughs> Auto Magic Music Maker. Yeah, that's cool. The there's a fun story about uh, Prince. Um, th there's like a whole like cult of people who think that uh, middle A shouldn't be 440; it should be 432. Uh, and they're like they they'll show you all these like uh, cardioid graphs that look way prettier uh, than the ones at 440, and I like see the math works out to be more beautiful visually, so it's got to be true. But a lot mm. of people thought for a long time that Prince detuned his guitar to e, e flat instead of e um but it's actually not quite e flat it's 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 e but in in the the like tuning of where middle a is 432 instead of 440 just some fun prince facts oh yeah but that's, that's uh, amazing yeah a lot of his like uh better tone a lot of people tune down to e flat just to get you can play thicker strings because they're a little looser um and so you can have kind of fatter tone and so a lot of Prince's well-known guitar tone comes from the fact that he de detuned his guitar essentially, and then was able to kind of play 
uh, fatter strings and stuff. Just some just fun, normal JavaScript Prince trivia. The mm-hmm. uh, interesting thing, the other interesting thing about your explanation uh, was I forgot your your uh, of the origin of Canada. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the JavaScript uh, always mm, came out. <laughs> gives it away. Miles, I feel like I feel like Miles is secretly Canadian because he doesn't. When I first met him, I didn't know, and he kind of was like a little, a little quiet about being Canadian. Is that? Am I supposed to introduce myself that way? <laughs> Hello, I'm Miles. I like maple syrup, and it's called Paymeal. Thank you. I, I'd actually <laughs> would you like flip it around to where? Yeah. You start in, there and then say your name. Yeah, that's usually that's that's how it goes. Usually, we know when you say JavaScript. So uh, I'm so, changing my Twitter profile. It says Canadian Miles now. <laughs> Canadian Miles. Uh, how do you pronounce the library that uh, d- is the most popular for transpiling ES6 into ES5? Oh, are you talking about uh, Babel? I am. Did you change the way you pronounce it? So I did say Babel at first, and then I was uh, corrected by Seb. I, I then um, proceeded to send him a whole bunch of photos of the pig Babe, um, which I'm not sure if he appreciated. Wait, is uh, it is it Babel? Because I I say Babel, but a bunch of I've heard a bunch of other people say Babel. It's mostly Canadians that say Babel. Oh, but but Wes Boss is does all the tutorials, <laughs> and so a lot of people come across the term Babel for the first time from Wes, and since he's Canadian, they hear Babel for the first time, and then they repeat it mindlessly, which is not what America's about, right? So it's about- I, I think that's actually where I heard it, which made me question everything that I knew or thought I knew. Yeah, I mean, sh- yeah. shout out to Wes for making people question everything they thought they knew. Um. Well, cool. Um, what? What? Um, I I feel like we didn't get <laughs> very deep into the the audio APIs. Um, have you, Rachel? Have you done any web audio stuff? I haven't yet. I actually like know nothing about music. I took piano for like two years, and like that was about it. So, I haven't. But I've seen a lot of people do really, really interesting stuff with the web audio API. Um, before Miles, uh, I saw I've seen Miles do some really cool stuff with spatial audio, which I'm sure he'll talk about a little bit more. Um, but I've seen some other really cool examples of people using the web audio API with like CSS and doing like orchestral stuff with the spatial audio but for me i don't really know anything about sound <laughs> so i haven't played around with it yet no uh miles tell tell us about the spatial stuff um okay do you want like a five minute version a two minute version i, I can talk about this for hours yeah, um, uh, i mean just start going and i'll cut you off whenever everyone's asleep so there's a handful of different ways of doing spatialized audio um the, the most often used one is what's known as uh, binaural, um, and that's using what are known as HRTFs, head-related transfer functions. Um, an HRTF or a transfer, a transfer function is a black box that can you know, take some data, output some data. It's a pure function. Uh, this is some math stuff. But basically, with an HRTF, you can take an audio signal. You can put it into the HRTF. You can give the HRTF a handful of tunings, and it will give you back an audio signal that is spatialized. Um, so the web audio actually has some HRTFs built in. They are not super accurate. Um, in general, you 
kind of need an HRTF to be tuned specifically for your head and your body. Um, they're called head related because of how our brains place sound in space. So, so would you, uh, in order to tune one, do you need one of those microphones that looks like a head, or do you have to like put microphones in your ears, or or so, how does that work? So you can tune it by sitting in an anechoic chamber, which is a room that's designed to have no echoes, um, putting microphones inside of your ears, or wearing specific kinds of headsets. Um, which will then um, create a whole bunch of different sounds in the room and measure the filters of your body. So your, your ears are really good at determining if a sound is far away um, by how loud it is. And if it's to the left or the right of you, um, based on how much energy is in each ear. Um, but being able to tell if it's above you, behind you, in front of you, below you, all of that's actually based on the filters of your body and the way it filters the sound. And your brain just knows that because sure. it's kind of always hearing it that way. I'll, I'll interject some interesting information that I, I, I have a project studio at the house. Um, the, the rooms that you see, like when people mix in rooms, they have like all the sound foam and stuff like that on the walls. And those are to prevent uh, early reflections. And so your, your brain has a hard time discerning between the straight sound from the speaker to your ear and then the sound that goes from the speaker off the wall to your ear because they happen so close together that it feels like the same sound is just mushier. Whereas like a sound that bounces off a wall 30 feet away and comes back, your brain is like, oh, that's clearly an echo or a you know reverb in the room and it's not part of the original sound. And so tuning rooms is really important uh, because you want to remove all of the early reflections that... that uh, would cause some of that smearing to happen. But um, the way that, like, people have existed for a really long time, and so we actually are better at discerning early reflections off of the ground than we are off of walls or ceilings, which is really interesting to me. So we, your brain can kind of know, like, if, if the speaker has a sound, it bounces off the ground and gets to your ear, it can do a lot better job of discerning the difference between that than off of a wall, like from the side, which is just kind of magic to me. But it, it makes sense because, like, there haven't been walls uh, for, for that long of human existence. So evolution would maybe kind of cover it. Anyways, kind of. Uh, I want to expand on that a little bit, though. Um, something that's like just a thought experiment that I always found really interesting. So, you know, sound comes out of a person or out of a speaker or something, and it reflects off of surfaces. Each time it reflects off of a surface, it decays a bit. Um, and this is a way that you can just think about filters in general. It's like a change in amplitude or a delay. So um, as the sound bounces around the room and each time it reflects, it decays more and generally uh, that decay is happening in an exponential curve. But mathematically, would it ever actually reach zero? Or is sound infinitely decaying, um, and it's just at kind of like sub-perceptual levels? And right. are we constantly surrounded by the infinite sound of eternity? Yeah, it's the I mean, whole, <laughs> the, the uh, go halfway to the wall, um, infinite amount of times and you never reach the wall type, type thing. Yeah. The, <laughs> it's, uh, I do like the idea of, of, uh, of that. It, it can sound, it kind of makes you wonder, like, are we surrounded by it or does sound eventually, uh, like, like, you know how you, on a screensaver, you wait for it to finally hit the exact corner. God, I guess that was the office. <laughs> like maybe sound eventually hits the ground at the exact 
perpendicular uh like direction in order to escape the earth right so it still exists but it's no longer surrounding us maybe mm -hmm. could be maybe the atmosphere bounces it back in though i wonder if the the atmosphere has a sound bouncing these are all interesting questions that are probably too far outside of the bounds of web audio. Um, <laughs> so I actually want to interject for a second because um, I've, I've seen a lot of, you know, proof of concept demos for, um, you know, what people can do with the web audio API. But I don't think that I've ever actually seen it in actual use i guess i i guess mostly because i've only seen like artsy demos and stuff but uh in terms of like practical application i'm thinking of like obviously this is going to have a big space with like um ar and vr type applications but what have you two seen that uh utilizes it in an actual practical in use sense i'm not sure i've seen i'm not sure i can think of I guess there are games, um, like legit games, not just like demos uh, that I've seen that use the Web Audio API. But as far as just like uh, business product, I don't see a lot of Web Audio API uh, in those. So I was recently visiting ERCOM, which is a music technology research facility in Paris. Um, and they actually have an entire team um, that is building interactive um, installation work and interactive web demos, and it's all built on web technology. Uh, so one of the examples that I saw that was particularly interesting was this like DJ app that they had. It had a native component to it to hook into Bluetooth, um, but essentially you would have a loop on your phone and you would have headphones on, and when you got close enough to someone else in the room, your two phones would find each other on Bluetooth and your two things would sync and then you would be like playing music together and make impromptu dance parties throughout the room. Um, and the entire web lay the entire audio engine was all web audio for that. That's pretty cool. Um, I'm thinking now of like, what is Spotify written in? Because Spotify is isn't just like a Spotify is a web app that's like wrapped in something, right? Right, but well, to some degree. But the it's a little different. Like just playing a song is like almost to the point of like maybe they use the web audio API to do it, but it's not like they're not using the web audio API for anything other than like play, pause, uh, start, mm. stop. They're not All doing right. like compression or sound leveling or, or like any of their actual like transforms on audio in the client i don't think that, that yeah, i've so, seen at least so what exactly is is the web audio api so the web audio api is an implementation of an audiograph um it gives you nodes that you can use um to create sound um and to modify sound um it uses uh abstraction that's called unit generators, which is an abstraction, this kind of audiograph unit generator approach is one that you'll see all over the place in audio programming environments and under the hood of a number of like popular um, audio software, it's how the programmers of those are implementing it. So you'll have a node for uh, the output, you'll have a node for your microphone, you'll have a node for a delay line and you can connect the microphone to the delay to the speakers and it will, you know, do its thing. 
Um, and you can add graphs and remove, you can add and remove nodes to the graph. Um, and you use a combination of various um, unit generators to create different effects and different synths and different uh, audio interactions. Uh, so you, you can you can have uh, audio being generated. Uh, can you use the same modifiers from non-generated audio, like audio that's just being uh, sourced from an input uh, or something like that? The like a guitar. Can you can you write uh, like I've seen? I'm I'm pretty sure it was a web audio API, but uh, there's a JS you um, from a few years back where you did like guitar stomp boxes and stuff like that. Uh, is that is that the web audio API? Is that something different? That I don't think you have. Yeah, that would likely be the web audio API. You cool. could take the an, an external input and run it through any number of filters. Okay, cool. And you can write your own filters and and build a grunge box and a, a delay pedal and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And you you have primarily two different ways of doing that. You can do that by either using the variety of nodes that are provided uh, for you in the API. Or you can actually write your own unit generators using the script processor node. Um, as far as I know, the script processor node has been deprecated, though. And there's like some real problems using it for sample accuracy, because there's a time delay between um, sending messages to the node and getting the samples out of it. I see. Yeah, the DSP is, is all about latency at some point. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd done, uh, I'd done some experiments. Um, with uh, early ASM.js and cross-compiling compiling the Faust um, signal processing language to the script processor nodes. Oh. And we were actually able to get like really, really intense analog um, amplifiers with like nonlinear, like all sorts of like really fancy stuff running at near native speeds in the browser. And, and the major issue is um, not the ability to process, but like the 14, like the 10 to 14 milliseconds you would have in delay going to and from a script processor node. Right. All the platform delay, not the, the actual code. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, the, the nice part about that, though, is that like, it shows that it's possible in the future to fix. It just doesn't seem like it's a priority. The, Mozilla, for a long time, prioritized a lot of web audio stuff, and I think they have some of the only, like, built-in tooling to be able to kind of modify it. Does that sound correct? Is that what you used? Um, I never used those tools, but they did have like developer tools specifically around viewing the audio graph, if I remember correctly. Right, yeah. Um, And there is spec work being done right now on audio worker node, which would work more similar to to web workers. And I believe they might even have access to shared array buffers, which would uh, solve the delay issue. Although it would now create the <laughs> complexity of <Fair laughs> of memory. multiple things, maybe yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, you trade trade one for the other. Um, well, cool. Um, I I look forward to the day when I can load VST plugins into the browser and and just go for it, uh, which doesn't seem too far off. I imagine Wasm even takes the the distance between the the native stuff uh, even closer. Uh, so it seems like getting those nodes to have zero latency or whatever seems to be a, a priority. I'd be interested if, if anyone wants to follow up, if there's like work, other, like is the worker the solution that we're going to go with or can we make the current one faster? Let us know. This episode is brought to you by TopTal. 
a global network of top freelance software developers, designers, and finance experts. If you're looking for contract or freelance opportunities, apply to join TopTal to work with top clients like Airbnb, Artsy, Zendesk, and more. When you join TopTal, you'll be part of a global community of developers who have the freedom and flexibility to live where they want, travel, attend TopTal events all over the world, and more. And on the flip side, if you're looking to hire developers, designers, or finance experts, TopTal makes it super easy to find qualified talent to join your team. Head to TopTal.com, that's T-O-P-T-A-L.com, and tell them Adam from the Genius Log sent you. Uh, okay, next we're going to talk about, um, uh, I think uh, this is a little bit of a jumping off point. There was a, a fun issue uh, lodged on the TypeScript repo that claimed that TypeScript was Turing complete. And there are some people with some uh, uh, requests for mathematical proofs, but he had a pretty compelling example where all he did was add types uh, and then was able to get like a prime number uh, figure out or out, out of the like type checking. And so uh, I think he was mostly saying, you know, if you stop the recursion part of this, it'll stop. But it's just kind of a funny uh, issue that like you add enough complexity in your type system on top of your language and like suddenly have another Turing complete language on top of your language. Um, but but I don't know if there's too much to talk about from from this. Like, I, what have you guys ever seen? Like the Turing complete CSS, like games and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, do you know how, how those work? Can you explain it? No, I don't know how they work. Uh, cool. Uh, there, so it it always like requires input. Um, there's like if you haven't seen the the CSS games, like the most simple example of of like. Uh, CSS that works in a way like a program would versus uh, one that works in a way that um, uh, like styling would is like a slideshow. Um, so if you think about um, check boxes as having a style around checked or unchecked, uh, you can kind of like put a giant transparent checkbox on either side of a slideshow. And whenever you check a checkbox, you know, put one between each slide, you can kind of say, show the slide that is uh, the sibling element, you know, the next sibling of the selected checkbox. And then you hide all the checkboxes to where they're transparent, but on top. And so you essentially build this whole slideshow that has no JavaScript, but every time you click the next, you know, hidden checkbox, it shows the next slide because now the next slide is the one that's the next sibling of the thing and, and so like you can kind of see how you can take JavaScript out of the equation by using this one cool trick to say that uh, you know like do something based on the active checkbox. You can actually do the same thing to like make a game. So tic tac toe is an interesting one to where you can theoretically, you know, make make checkboxes that have X's or O's, but um, but you can make the game have a win state. Like say you won if it detects any of the potential win states as like it, you can imagine like a selector that has the selector for all possible combinations of three x's in a row um, and so like people can make tic-tac-toe based solely on uh, selectors uh, and that's kind of like uh, making 
games that rely on on no javascript and there are much more complicated games than that so like isn't the majority of the time that like people make the the turing complete css projects is when is to like uh refute the notion that css isn't a real programming language yeah Um, i i think that it's it's more just for fun like definitely no one is suggesting that people should to use CSS like this, I think. Uh, like, the the slideshow is maybe a good example of, of something that could work, but the tic-tac-toe is unreasonable. Uh, and I don't think anyone's saying that it's yeah. the ideal situation. So our, I guess, what is the importance of having a language be Turing complete is, well, I guess, I guess it's just another abstraction that's Turing complete in regards to the issue that we're talking about. But, um, like, what is that? What is the importance of that, I guess, necessarily? Yeah, I wouldn't say that there's an importance. I think it's more like uh, exploration is fun. Uh, and, and I think the, the person who wrote the issue did a good job of, of kind of making light of the situation and saying, like, no, no one cares about this. This is just a funny thing. Maybe you could turn it off like this if you didn't want. Because, like, in this case, it came along with a problem where you could accidentally create infinite loops of, of type checking. Um, but... But I think more than anything, it's just like a fun exploration of like taking a technology to its limits and exploring uh, areas of it that like weren't for an intent, but then being able to do like crazy things because because of that. Uh, other things that come to mind are like using uh, uh, there's uh, a language called JS fuck. You can uh, bleep that <laughs> later, um, but but it's like completely based on the fact that arrays you know cast themselves into integers um and then uh it'd be well, insane to, to, to actually, explain here, but yeah go ahead that's just an abstraction of the esolang brain fuck it sounds like i don't uh, know if you're uh, familiar it, with that yeah I, I am it's not uh it, it, it's similar but it's it uses very specific uh properties of javascript to where it can uh, it can kind of bootstrap itself by grabbing letters off of prototype functions uh, and then evaling them, all based on like positions and arrays. So, so the <laughs> the <laughs> the it's it's very interesting looking, um, and it, it doesn't really work the same uh, as the the other one you mentioned, but it it is very similar in its uh, incomprehensibility. Um, but but you, everyone should check it out. But I think it's just a good example of like doing something entirely unexpected f- with a language, uh, and and like it, it it falls into the category of useless wear um, that that I think you and I have talked about, uh, Rachel, before uh, on, at least on Twitter maybe uh, of just like building something for the sake of like saying this is cool and fun and weird, but no one should necessarily like do this for their job. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it takes a, a, a like certain type of person that has a full grasp, like a full like down to the nuts and bolts grasp of a language to be able to even like get down into figuring out that kind of stuff. I mean, at least from my perspective, as someone who does not have a full grasp of language, <laughs> not yeah, even English, I, like, let's be honest. Yeah. yeah. Uh, th- oh, sorry. I was saying yeah to myself. The, the, <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are bad at English, Rachel. Uh, the, the the I I do find it really fun to like 
try to get so deep into some topic to where you can kind of flip it on its head, break the norms and do something interesting and cool. Even if like, there's a reason why it's not the norm because it would be a terrible idea, but just kind of like take everything to its logical maximum to where like theoretically we only need three uh, characters in JavaScript to, to run any program, uh, which is, which is a cool idea. And I'm glad that someone like wrote a compiler for it and we can talk about it on a show, but like, I don't, anticipate anyone actually using it in their application for one it would break all my csp rules um miles can you think of uh this is a little bit uh on the spot can you think of other things in this vein i, I know you tend to uh gra not gravitate but you tend to be associated with a lot of projects that that do similar th like uh for instance making a piano that uh has a tunable middle A and uh, uh, random intervaled or programmable interval keys is a good example of like kind of breaking outside the norm. Uh, I'm trying to think if, if if there's other things. So can can you just give me a tiny bit more context? Uh, which norms are we talking about? Are we talking about language yeah, like, norms or? Yeah. So uh, I'm I'm just trying to find more examples uh, of this stuff. So so the. So the situation with TypeScript is we have a, a like a thing where someone wanted to add like all right we want to type check integers in these places and it's like okay now we have more complex types and we want to do this and this and eventually you have s such an amount of complexity to where you can kind of do a whole programming language out of the thing that it's supposed to attach to your your programming language um, and it's a fun game to to play but I don't think anyone's going to be programming in TypeScript types anytime soon, if, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Um, this is, uh, I think this question's potentially just a bad question. Uh, do you have any thoughts on, uh, on the topic, so, I guess? So I think, I think that I know what you're going at here, which is like the beauty of combinatorial complexity. Sure. So yeah. like, it's really, you see this happen a lot. I'm going to bring it back to audio because I'm in that mood now. But like you'll, you'll see this happen a lot in like algorithmic composition um, or any sort of like generative environments where like where you get things that are really interesting is like you may have one thing that's like repetitive and it's in like the randomness that it gets interesting and in overlapping randomness. But then when you actually make like the ability to program that. So like a really good example would be um, I've seen a performance where there's like four or five different voices that are playing and they're, they're playing um, different patterns. And each of those patterns um, have a randomness value that can be added that will randomize the patterns. And um, this performer mapped that uh, to a fader. So you can make it more random or less random. And so the way he would do his performances would be kind of put everything out super random and then slowly dial it in to the point where it like reached a, a stable state. And so I think that's kind of what you're talking about is where like you create this combinatorial complexity within this complexity becomes these like new higher level attributes that you can work with. And then you can use those um, as the means in which you program. And I think you see that happen a lot in like environments like Ableton or like other kind of programming uh, music environments where you're no longer like worrying about the notes that you're playing. So you can focus on playing like other aspects of the song, such as like, you know, the timbre or um, like playing with compressors or just like effects and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. I, I think it's a, um, for a tough question that I asked uh, that 
I think that's a good example of of kind of like just t- taking the side effects of something uh, and using that as kind of your core. Um, it, it's like someone allowed randomness uh, for one purpose, and then you take randomness, and now you're making randomness the core ability, like the core thing. Kind of like types were the were the point. Um, you know, to enforce against this language, and then you're kind of taking them and it, like literally just throwing away the language under the covers and only using types uh, and kind of uh, using like starting from that new baseline. And I, I think it's a, I think it's a thing that kind of again is always going to sit on the fringe, but I think it's it's a it's it's an art uh, just like that that person kind of created art out of uh, or kind of created art out mm-hmm. of the the randomness is, and I think noticing things and doing like the CSS games and and all these like edge case situations I think is, is kind of definitely falls in the realm of, of beauty and art and uh, creativity uh, in a way that is super interesting to people. It's similar to like uh, the, I think it's called like one div a single a single div is that, mm. is that a thing? Yeah, um, yeah yeah oh who did that again that was such a beautiful project uh, from yeah. Andia. A.singlediv.com uh, I'm gonna go ahead and uh start into uh the projects of the week or uh, the uh sorry not the project the the picks uh for this week and my pick this week is going to be a single div uh so a single div is is an interesting website to where uh uh, css developers get uh, a single div and they create like icons and pictures and uh cartoon characters and scenes and all sorts of stuff all with just like after 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 uh content uh like type tricks in order to make a single div turn into like an infinitely scalable beautiful little picture icon type thing and they're extremely impressive um lynn fisher is the um person who who made that cool rachel do you do you have a, a pick this week i do only because I asked someone for suggestions and they gave me a good one. <laughs> nice. Full transparency. Um, so there is this project that came out this week called Stack Blitz that is an online VS Code IDE for Angular and React. I just hit my microphone. Sorry. <laughs> um, basically, it lets you create Angular and React projects that are immediately online so you don't have to like have to push anything to production or rely on any other kind of thing. It just lets you code and it installs the dependencies and does magic and then um, it's there. So if like Angular and React are your thing, I figured since we talked about TypeScript a little bit earlier, this was a nice uh, pseudo tie-in, you can give that a shot. Miles, uh, I'm potentially putting you on the spot, but do we tell you to, to try and pick something ahead of time? Or do you have anything in um, mind? I, I do just in time picks, and uh, and I've got it just in time. Cool. Um, it, it it's a uh, GitHub repo uh, called Omnitone. It's uh, from the Google Chrome org. It's uh, it's a library for doing spatialized audio. So it's built on a, a lot of the stuff that I was talking about earlier. It's a robust implementation of first of a first order ambisonic decoder and a binaural renderer, and it allows you to take spatialized media and play it and rotate it and play it through virtual speakers and then to actual physical speakers in a headphone. And the thing that's really cool about it too is if you're doing any stuff with WebVR, you can use this in conjunction with WebVR to do spatialized audio that will actually move around with the movement of your viewer. Nice. 
That's really cool. Uh, well, this episode got into the weeds a little bit more. Miles uh, and I uh, tend to be bad at staying on topic. Uh, so I, I don't apologize. Hopefully you enjoy one episode like this, and hopefully uh, Michael can be back and, and ground us a bit uh, yeah, in the future. It's better than nothing. Better than nothing. <laughs> well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. You uh, all but, realize you're basically apologizing and saying that I'm better than nothing, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I said let's not get ahead of ourselves. Uh, but uh, but uh, thanks for listening this week uh, this has been JS Party alright thank you for tuning in to JS Party this week thanks also to our sponsors TopTile and Hired also thanks to Fastly our bandwidth partner head to Fastly.com to learn more we host everything we do on Linode servers head to Linode.com slash changelog check them out support the show this show is produced by myself, Adam Stukoviak, and edited by Jonathan Youngblood. And the awesome music you've been hearing is produced by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. We do this show live every Friday at 3 p.m. U.S. Eastern, noon Pacific. So join us at changelaw.com live. Slack with us in real time. Head to changelaw.com community. We'll see you again next week. Thanks for listening.